Well, good morning. Welcome to church. Will you stand with me? Let's start this morning uh, with prayer. Jesus, thank you for being here. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for the way that you work in and move. You move in our lives and you work um, on our behalf. We love you. This time is yours. I pray that your spirit will be so um, obvious in our lives and in this service that we will just respond with yes, 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 whatever you say. We love you, God. Amen. Let's sing together. Aren't you thankful that we serve a God who's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, more than we could ever think or imagine? There's nothing that our God can't do. Sing with me. In just one word, you come the storm that surrounds me. In just one word, the darkness has to retreat. Just one touch, I feel the presence of heaven. Just one touch, my eyes are open to see. My heart can't help but believe. There's nothing that I can't do. There's not a mountain that he can't do. So praise the Greater things, sing with me. I will believe for greater things. There's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise, let all agree. There's no power like the power of Jesus. I will believe for greater things. There's no power like the power of
your name, Jesus. We glorify you. We lift you up right now. We pray that you will inhabit the praise of your people.
love this song. It has a familiar chorus that you'll know. God, you're so good. Amazing love that welcomes me. so good.
We're going to come to a prayer time in a second. Let's just sing that one more time. You know, it's funny. I grew up singing that song with my family. God, you're so good. We'd have road trips, going on vacation or something. And my mom or dad would start singing, and then the other one would have a part. And then my sisters and I would join in, and we'd just drive down the road singing. We didn't do it all the time. It's not like everything was campfire singing, singing all the time. But it's funny, those things that you remember when you're older, those things that are important. And I just remember my parents always reminding me, good or bad, joy or sorrow, trials or triumphs, we serve a God that's good, don't we? So, Em, if you can put the chorus back up one more time, let's just sing, God, you're so good, one more time as we come to prayer time. God, you're so your voices. God, you're so good. Oh, God, you're so good. You're so good to me. Uh, remain standing as we just pray again. You can sit down, Ken. That's all right if you want to. Father, we praise you. We praise you and we thank you for... We thank you for all the blessings. And um, we thank you for the... We thank you for the trials. The trials that have made us more like you. That have put us more in the center of your will. So, Father, we seek you today. We ask that we truly know your presence. That we truly know your will that we are bold, fearless as we follow you, as you lead us down a path that may not make sense, that we can trust you, God, and that you make all wrongs right. You bring justice where justice is needed, and you provide as we just have the needs that we are short-sighted on. We praise you, Father. We look forward to you moving in our midst. Amen. Well, as you all sit down, I'm going to give you a chance to get back up here in just a minute. My name is Tim. I'm one of the pastors here. Good morning. Uh, Have you ever had one of those mornings or days or weeks when life is just hectic and things are going everywhere and a friend comes to you and says something that just makes you feel better? We have that opportunity right now in our service. We're in the time where we call passing of the peace. And during this time, we walk up to each other and shake hands and say, may the peace of Christ be with you. 
And it's an opportunity for us to extend that piece of Christ to those that are gathered here. For those of you that are online, tag someone, send a message of peace during this time. So may the peace of Christ be with you.
Sorry, uh, I don't want to cut. I don't want to cut it short. We uh, we we let this time run long because we really do believe that um, connecting with each other. This is what we're called to do. I mean, it's it's one of our core values. We believe that we are better together, and that we are always living our best life when we are living it in community. And so we we um, extend this time maybe longer than some people do. But it's because we really do feel like it's an act of worship and it's important. Well, my name is Garen. You've already met Tim and Jason. Jen's in Nashville um, doing her job. But uh, the, the four of us serve as pastors here. And we're so thankful that you're here with us. And we hope that um, even already you've sensed um, God's spirit. And, and as we continue in other acts of worship and we, we go to a time of hearing the word, I pray that you will be completely engaged in all that God has for you today. So that's my little spiel. We've got a couple of announcements I want to make you aware of, and I've got to make sure that I do it, get it right. So first one is we have small groups that are starting up in a couple of weeks. So you're going to want to stay tuned. We're going to solidify some dates and days. But I encourage you, um, this sitting in rows is not the best way for us to grow closer to God and each other. Sitting in circles is how it happens. So there's something that happens with a group of 8 to 10 that doesn't happen with a group of 60. And so I encourage you as we start up life groups again that you would consider getting involved in them because it will change you. It really will, I promise. So we'll have more information on dates and days coming up soon, but that's the first announcement. The other one is teens. I think, yes. Teens. I don't remember what I was supposed to tell you about the teens. I'm going to make something up. Um, uh, Teens, we hope that you do well in school. No, I I remember. I got it here. Teens, Wednesday at 7, you guys are meeting here. Um, The teens are, I love this. The teens are working through Ephesians right now. It's a great book of the Bible to read. If you haven't read it in a while or if you've never read it, Ephesians is a fantastic book. The teens are working through that. I encourage you to, um, if you have teens, Get them here. Have them get involved. It's going to be a great time. Pastor Jen leads them. And then this Sunday, there's another teen um, opportunity to serve and get those those credits for school, your serve hours. We're going to be taking a trip into um, North Orlando, and we're going to be helping out with Dana Franchetti and her church, Mission 210. They're launching this fall, and so we're going to be at a community event, kind of like a... Um, I don't know, like a, a fair or something that happens in a park. And we're just going to be handing out pins and, and stickers and inviting them to come to Mission 210. If you'll remember, or if you don't remember, let me tell you, Dana Franchetti was our good neighbor offering at Christmas time. And we, we sent money to her to help her as she's launching a church in an unchurched area in a, in a pocket of Orlando. And so that's a great opportunity for you. Emma, do I have anything else or am I done? All right, wait. How can I help? We've been doing this a lot, but it's because we believe, again, one of our core values, that everyone needs to find a place to serve. And so I can tell you right now, we are surviving in a lot of areas that we need to be thriving in. And what it takes is people stepping up and saying, you know what, I may not feel comfortable leading the teens or leading the kids, but I could be a good second person. I could be speaking into their lives and be present with them. Um, we have uh, 
people that run our AV and sound and online almost weekly with no break. Those are things that some of you can say, well, I could sit behind the iPad and click a picture of what's going to go on the... Like, we'll train you. We'll teach you what to do. But we have so many places where you can get involved and serve. Maybe you feel like, you know, I just feel like one of my... One of the ways I can serve is I can open up my house for a small group. Maybe you want to lead a small group. I'd love to talk to you about that. But maybe you say, I don't know that I'm ready to lead a small group, but I've got space for a small group. And so I want to open up my house and and serve the church by being hospitable. We want everyone serving in some way. And so if you haven't found a place to serve, let's talk. Let's grab coffee and find out what your passions are. We don't want to put you in a place that you hate. We want to put you in a place where you're passionate about and that you're thriving with. That's something Jason and I were talking about this yesterday. That's something that even pastors are still trying to figure out. Where do we best thrive? So let us help you. Let's connect and get together and find out how you can serve. And I do think that that's it, Emma, right? Sorry. Man, I'll tell you what. When Jen's out of town, like, I'm uh, sorry. I apologize already. My wife will be back next week and, and things will return to normal. Uh, Jason, are you up next? I have no idea. <laughs> now, last week, uh, I talked about finding five opportunities during the week to share your faith in some way, to serve someone, to do it through word or deed. And I, and I said, I'd, I'd like to hear from some of you. Anybody have any time they want to, anything they want to share from this last week where you engaged with someone on purpose? Or even on accident, turn into, hey, this is a great opportunity to, to love somebody. Anybody want to share it all? Don't make me, I used to teach, don't make me pick on someone, right, Miss Lisa? Did I see a hand? Was that a, the dusty force your hand up? It's okay, there's only 100,000 people watching online, so it's Okay. <laughs> 100,000. I'm going to do the Bob Barker thing here. I know my dad and grandma are watching, so that's... All right, um, right, dad and grandma. That is nerve-wracking enough. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I I tried to take that intentionally, and I met with a couple people unexpectedly. God brought them to me. Um, And it wasn't... Oh, thank you. Sorry. Got to be louder. Okay. So, it wasn't anything that I felt comfortable doing or anything I was necessarily intentional about. So I let the Holy Spirit lead me in my conversations with people. And they were just conversations with people, making them feel loved, people who have a bad connotation with church and God, and just convincing them that they're not awful people because they have a sense of humor or awful people because they don't go to church every Sunday and that God does love them for who they are. Um, We stepped out and helped someone who was in need this week um, and reached to her. Um, She has a lot of negative opinions about our culture and the way things are run right now. So it was nice to just try and just be the peace for her and be that middle ground to let her know that God loves everybody. Amen. It is. Did I see a hand up, George? I'm just messing with you. Oh, yeah, Drew. Okay. It didn't segue last week. Um, This happened before you encouraged us. The conversation didn't even even really go the way I thought it would. I tried to keep it organic. Some of you guys know I have a painting slash pressure washing business. 
Um, I was setting up, pressure washing a house. About three houses away, there was a, a tree crew, big giant hydraulic lifts. Um, I got halfway through pressure washing the house, and this sketchy-looking dude runs up to me and says, Hey, man, can you help me? Uh, I got hydraulic fluid all over this guy's garage. I guess a hose broke. So he asked me if I can come down and clean up this. Selfishly, I didn't want any part of it. I didn't want to do it. I had a full day. I had a full plate. My boy Danny, who's home right now probably, I asked him a long time ago, when you're confronted with something that's troubling you, what do you, what do you encourage people at CR? And he said, Drew, you got five seconds to change the narrative in your mind. And I heard his little voice in my head going, one, one thousand, two, one thousand. And I got to about there and I said, I'll be right down to help clean up that mess. So I did. He tried to give me money. I didn't take it. And I just encouraged him to pass it on to somebody else and told him where I'll be on Sundays. Now, I don't know what this seed is going to go. I don't know if it meant anything to him. But it made me feel good because... If we're really the salt and the light, we're supposed to be difference makers all the time. My wife and my family, this is a new part of our journey. This is, this is not something that comes easy to us. But I just encourage you guys to keep your radar up because you don't know who you're going to have an impact on. We don't know what someone else is going through, where they've been today, but we can encourage them to have a better moment from that point forward. So, you know, the hundred bucks he tried to put in my hand was going nowhere. And my kids were like, wow, you made a hundred bucks. I said, no, guys, I didn't make a penny. What I, the impression was far more than that hundred dollars was going to mean to me. So that's what I leave you guys with. Thank you. Mr. Baker, did you bring us any cheese from up north? It was in Wisconsin, right? That was fantastic. Thank you. This past weekend, my wife and I took our oldest son, who had just turned 21, up to Troy, Alabama. He's transferring schools, and we took him up there to, you know, get him tucked in, get him settled, whatnot. The, the rest of the story is this. My parents, I'm from Wisconsin, and I haven't really seen my parents in about five years. My dad just turned 94, my mom just turned 93, and I don't know how long they're going to be around. And I, I felt a need, a deep-seated need, to see them and to talk to them face-to-face, -face, not this COVID six-feet-away garbage that we had. And my wife reluctantly <laughs> agreed to come with me, so when we got to Troy, Alabama, I said, well, let's just keep going north. And a day and a half later, we got to La Crosse, and man, I'm just going to get emotional relaying this story. When I saw my dad, my dad and I were really close. I couldn't speak. I just started getting emotional. Dad, big hug that turned into a hold. And uh, same with my mom, really. I have experienced a couple, I guess for lack of a better term, um, uh, what did I call them? A what? Anxiety dream. 
an anxiety event in the middle of the night where I would wake up and just have a head full of anxiety about this, that, the other thing, and the other thing, and the other thing, and the other thing, none of which I have really any control over. But my gosh, I got to get out of bed. I got to get out from under these covers. I don't, I don't know what I need to do, but I need to get up. I need to go somewhere. And this is in the middle of the night. One time I was on a sailboat, a 27-foot sailboat. There's not much room to go on a 27-foot sailboat, but I had to get up on deck. The other time was in, a, in our car. We were just on this trip. We're sleeping in the back of our car. <laughs> and it actually is comfortable. We have an air mattress. But I woke up and I couldn't breathe and I had to get out of that car. The, the story is, the, the purpose of that story is that I don't want my mom and dad to have anxiety when their final breaths are being taken. I didn't want them to go through what I was going through on that boat or in the car, not knowing. So this trip was really important to me because I needed to know where they stood. And I've had some long, in-depth conversations with my mother, but not really my dad so much. Men don't talk about that stuff, I guess. And we had some really in-depth conversations while we were up in Wisconsin this past week. Really in-depth. And I came away with peace, knowing that they believe, knowing what they know. And so it's not really an outright, I did something for anybody, or we did something for anybody. But this is what happened. And those are the conversations that we all need to have with our loved ones, and maybe we're too shy or timid or it's not politically correct to ask those questions, but golly, it needs to happen. It needs to happen with the, with the young ones as well as the old ones. I know sooner or later I'm going to get that phone call. I have a brother and sister that live up near my mom and dad, and sooner or later, probably sooner, I'm going to be getting a call saying, Mark, We need you to come home. And I'm going to look back on this week so thankful that we spent the money, took the time, drove up there, and had that opportunity to share not only what we believe, but to find out what they believe and to look each other in the eye and be able to come away knowing what we know about our faith. So, God, I thank you for that opportunity. Thank you, Mark. This is officially the the offering time. But this is the offering that God desires. The sacrifice of comfort in order to love. Sacrifice of time, equipment, money. Talking to people in awkward situations, making those those hard conversations happen so we can say, we want to know that God and you will rest together forever. What more is there? One of my my old buddies, he he passed just over a year ago. He he was only 40 years older than me. 
We hung out almost every day. And he said, you know, nobody's beat old age yet. And he used to always tell me that. Let's know that we're right with God. And if we're not right with each other, we're not right with God. Can I say that very truthfully and boldly? If we're not right with each other, we're not right with God. We were put here for relationship. And let's just offer up ourselves now in prayer. And then in our deeds, our actions, let us move beyond this building to be the real church and love the world around us. Father, we praise you. And Lord, let that nudging of the Holy Spirit be louder than ever this week as we are in the world, in our jobs, in our, in our workplaces, in the store, with our families. Might you truly move in us and through us like we've never allowed you to before as this world needs you more than ever. We pray for your kingdom to come. We pray that we might be that part that we need to be to help usher it in. We love you. We praise you. And we are just excited about this adventure you've got us on. In your name, amen. Bring your kingdom to earth. Do whatever you see fit, Lord. As above, so below. Give us what we need for today. Forgive us for what we've done. And help us to forgive those who have wronged us. And keep us from evil. Everything is yours, God. Forever and ever. Amen. Emma, do I have the proper understanding in there? Oops, that's not it. Let's go back to the front. Oh, you just learned the, the ending. Do we, do we know what's going on here? Hold on. Sorry, y'all. Well, we're going to go on then, and uh, we'll figure that out. We may be having some technical issues. So... Well, let me pray our prayer for understanding, and if you know it, I I ask you to pray it with me. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. So, we are in the Lord's Prayer. Uh Uh-oh, that looks... All right, we might have to to turn this off for a second and reboot. Um, So, sorry about that. I'm going to go on without it, and y'all are going to stick with me because we're going to get through this. So we're in the Lord's Prayer, and the words were going to be up there, but they're rebooting. So if you have the Lord's Prayer memorized, I invite you to say it with me. Otherwise, let me read it for you. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Yeah. 
So there's a story of a kid that was in a Sunday school class one time, and they were learning about the Lord's Prayer, and it was his turn to pray it, and he said, Our Father in heaven, how'd you know my name? <laughs> Instead of hallowed be thy name, he thought, how'd you know my name? And uh, as much as he misquoted the scripture, wow, there's some power in that, isn't it? We serve a Father in heaven who knows our name. So the kids went back to school this past week. And one of the things that we do when we go back to school is, you know, you got to buy the clothes and you got to buy the books and you got to buy all this kind of stuff. And we um, went shoe shopping and my girls um, had to have, it's the latest thing, Converse high tops. Now I say it's the latest thing, but guess what was big when I was in high school in the 80s? Converse high tops. And I'm guessing, since I've seen movies that were in the 50s and 60s and 70s, that back then what was popular was Converse high tops. This is a picture. This isn't her actual shoes, but Henley decided to get green, and they're pretty awesome. Um, now, i got to tell you, um, I have owned one pair of Converse, and I hated them. Um, the best way I can describe it, they just hurt. It feels like your feet are getting punched in their feet face. That's the best way I know how to describe it. It's just horrible. I don't like them. But they haven't thrived for decades because of their comfort. They've thrived because of their popularity, and they've stayed relevant because of their name. If I said the word converse, you didn't wonder, what's a converse? You knew exactly what it was because their name had power. In fact, I googled this. Their name, the name Converse, is worth $2.35 billion. That's an expensive name. If you want to brand something with a Converse on it, you've got to pay a lot of money because their name has value. And they keep it a priority. They hallow it. They guard it. They protect it. They don't let just anybody use their name. And if you think two point whatever billion is a lot, that ain't nothing. What do you think is the, the biggest company slash most expensive name on the market? What? Nike, you said? Apple? Hey, you are... Good job, Sam. Sam hit it on the head. Now, the company is worth, in 2019, over three or two billion or trillion dollars. But just their name, their logo, just the Apple name, this past year was, they valued at $947 billion. You can't just invent something or make something and slap an Apple logo on it. You can't just make something or invent something and slap a Converse logo on it because that stands for their name and their name is their brand and their name is valuable and they set it apart from everything else and it's protected. To use their image in a way that they don't like is profanity to them and they will sue you to prove it. So when Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray, hallowed be your name, Jesus is reminding them, my father's name, it's otherly. It's to be separated. You don't just flippantly use my God's name. We hallow 
the name of God. It's set apart. In our tribe, in the Nazarene tribe, we'd say it, you sanctify it. And that's just a big, fancy theological word that just means you set it apart for a holy purpose. You don't slap God's name on just anything because God's name is holy. It's set apart. You don't just flippantly use it for whatever you want because that's not what God has called us to do. So how did we get God's name? Simple answer. God told us. You remember Moses? Old Testament? In the wilderness with the burning bush, and the bush is burning, but it's not being consumed, and God was in the bush, or the Spirit of God was in the bush, and God tells Moses, I want you to go to Egypt, and you are going to help deliver my people. You're going to go. You're going to be my mouthpiece. I'm going to do all the work. You just are going to be part of the story. And, and Moses says, God, when I get to Pharaoh, he's going to say, who sent you? What do I tell him? Well, what do I, who do I tell him you are? Are you like some, um, some, are you like some mork from orc? Are you like some peaceful tranquility? Are you like some force that's with you, like in Star Wars? Are you like the latest fad in gods? Because the Egyptians have tons of gods. Are you this, um, this spiritual version of my iPhone that has all the information I'll ever need and is handy? I mean, what do I say? What's your name, God? And God tells Moses, Tell Pharaoh that the verb to be has sent you. Now, in our, in our Bibles, we'd say, a lot of translations will say, tell them that I am has sent you. Some translations say, tell them that I was, I am, and will be has sent you. But this is, this is when Moses realizes, okay, I'm in the, per, I'm in the presence of a, a peculiar God. It's not just some random God. I'm in the presence of a specific God that has a peculiar way of doing things because this God uses ordinary people to do unordinary things. This God chooses ordinary people with no skills whatsoever to serve. And somehow through obedience, God's will is done because God's name is backing it. And God invites us into it. And so Moses hallows the name of God when he obeys and he goes to Egypt. And, God speak, and Moses speaks on God's behalf. Moses speaks, God does. I love that. God didn't say, you're going to free the people. God says, you're going to be the mouthpiece. I'm going to do the work. It's my name. I'm the one that has the power. I'm the one that's holy. You're just being allowed to participate. Are you going to obey and do it? And Moses says yes. And what happens with Moses' obedience and God's power and God's name being hallowed in Moses' life, amazing things happen. Rivers turn to blood. Frogs infiltrate everywhere. Millions of locusts destroying the grass. Cattle dying. Darkness covering the land for days. Time and again, God would do a miraculous thing, liberating millions, parting the sea, waters coming out from rocks. God did amazing things because there's massive power in the name of God. God's name is powerful. Now, that's where we have to be careful because there are a lot of people that would like to use that power and wield it for their own purposes. 
Maybe that's why God, after delivering the Hebrew people, they make it to Mount Sinai and God says, Moses, let's talk. I've got some rules. I've got some commandments. I've got some life lessons that will help my people live a victorious life and hallow my name. So God gives these rules, and one of the rules is don't take God's name in vain. Don't use my name for something that I'm not doing. Don't have your own desires and slap my name on it and think that we're good. God says, no, hallow my name. Now, whenever, uh, whenever I grew up um, hearing about the Ten Commandments, I always thought, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, meant don't cuss. Don't say God and then add a cuss word to it. And the more I think about it, I'm like, I don't know that that's really what God's talking about because I don't know that God liberated millions of Hebrew people and they're walking through the desert just like foul mouth cursing people and God's like, ooh, we got to work on that. They've got a bad tone. So I'm wondering if maybe there's something more to this hallow my name and keep it holy than maybe just watch your language and don't, don't do that. The truth is we profane God's name whenever we forge God's name to our ideas. Does that make sense? When we take God's name and we put it onto our desires, our wishes, our plans, our actions, our attitudes, our biases, our prejudices, our wants, we profane the name of God. And if you are profaning the name of God, you are not hallowing God's name. Have you ever profaned the name of God? You know, when I was a teen, you, you know, you'd be at teen camp and you'd see the hot girl and you'd be like, oh man. I feel like God's telling me that we're going to get married. I want that pretty girl. I don't know that that was really taking God's name appropriately. Or how about, yeah, honey, I know we can't afford it, but we're going to buy that house that we want, and God's going to provide for us because God wants his people to be happy. Or the health, wealth, and prosperity... um, Things that are being taught in a lot of churches. I get nervous with that. And those are kind of goofy, but we do it in a lot of ways. I remember after 9-11, I don't know if you remember this, but there were a lot of people around the world and some even in America that said that 9-11 was God's wrath on American consumerism. You remember that? Or how about when Katrina hit and it was God destroying a wicked city? Or every time something hits Haiti and we say, oh, it's just God, you know, they, they like witch doctors and so it's just God that won't have any more of it. When we think we have it figured out and we add God's name to what we're assuming, it profanes the name of God. 
What about all the crusades? We're going we're gonna to lead all these people to God, and if they don't accept God, we'll kill them. What about our prejudices that we still face? What about prejudices that are systemic and that have been around for hundreds of years, but some of the most godly people are the ones heading them up because it's God's will. How often do we take the powerful name of God and add it to our personal agendas with no regard for what God actually wants? So many times we don't consider, is God's nature being revealed by what I'm saying? Or is is God's character being revealed? Or is God's mission being revealed? Because if God's character or nature aren't being revealed or God's mission isn't being revealed, then maybe God's not in it and maybe I shouldn't be saying that it is. We throw God on it. Yeah, God will provide. Yeah, God will take care of it. Yeah, God will give us this. Yeah, we're going to have... Like a cheap bumper sticker that we put on our car. If we were to do that to Converse or Apple, we would be sued into bankruptcy. Because they understand how powerful a name is and that you hallow a name. You don't profane a name by what you do with it. Misusing a name is a big deal. And apparently it was a big deal back then as well because Jesus speaks to it. Near the end of the Sermon on the Mount, we're in Matthew chapter 6 right now, but in Matthew chapter 7, in like verse 21, 22, 23, Jesus has this to say, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? And in your name, drive out demons. And in your name, perform many miracles. And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Oh, but Jesus, we did a lot of stuff in your name. We attached your name to a bunch of causes, and a lot of them were even good. But Scripture says many who say they're doing God's work, are going to hear, you know what, I I didn't know you. You slapped my name on your own agenda and you expected me to help it prosper, but that's not what I do. You don't manipulate a most high God. You worship a most high God. You hallow my name. You don't profane it by how you treat it. Dr. Boone is uh, president of Trevecca Nazarene University in Nashville, and he wrote a book on this and It struck me. I find myself in this passage a lot. I must confess that I profane the name of God when I was ungodlike while bearing his name. When my responses were impolite. When my priorities were skewed. When my checkbook was more materialistic than generous. When my thoughts about my enemies were vengeful, when my words were misleading, when our words and deeds profane the God we claim to serve, the name is not hallowed in us or among us. Ouch. So what's the big deal with a name? Come on. I mean, really? I mean, honestly, my name is Garen. I don't tell people my name is Garen half the time. When we go to a restaurant and they say, what's the name? I say Scott, because have you ever tried to hear somebody pronounce Garen at a restaurant? 
Like, I'll wait for 40 minutes. They're like, well, we called Gerald and Jerry and Karen. I was like, that's not my name. So I give them a name that they can handle. But really, what's in a name? Well, I think a good way to understand it is if we go back into the Old Testament, and I'll just do this very quickly. You remember there was a guy named Jacob? Jacob and Esau, they were the brothers. They were the son of Isaac. So you got Abraham who is, boom, he is the one that God said, your descendants are going to outnumber the stars and the grains of sand. Then you got Isaac, his son, the promised child. Sarah's 100 years old when she has Isaac. I mean, this is a pretty, pretty much miracle baby. And then Isaac has Jacob and Esau, and Esau is first, and so he's the firstborn, so he's going to get the inheritance, he's going to get the blessings, and Jacob is second. And scripture says that while Esau was being born, Jacob's hand was on the heel of, J- uh, of Esau being pulled out with him. And Jacob's name actually means to deceive or to supplant or to attack from the rear. His name had value, and he was named that because it was what was happening in his life holding his brother's heel. When he grew older, Isaac's dying. He calls Esau to give him the blessing, and Jacob deceives him, and he goes in, and he pretends to be Esau, and he gets the blessing that isn't his. His name revealed his character, his nature, his essence. Flash forward a little bit. He flees from Esau because Esau, understandably, is a little upset. And so Esau and Jacob are finally about to meet again, and, and Jacob's on his way back, and he says, okay, I'm going to send everyone else ahead to kind of buffer the blow, and I'm going to stay the night here. And while he's sleeping, you remember that's the, that's the story where an angel comes, and, and he wrestles with the angel all night, and he just will not let that angel go until the angel blesses him. He says, I will not relent until you promise me and bless me. And so the angel strikes him in the hip, and his hip goes bad, and he walks the rest of his day with his limp. And, God said, and the scripture says that God changed his name from Jacob, deceiver, Attacking from the rear. Changes his name to Israel. Mm. Israel means one who strives or wrestles with God. Because somewhere from his youth to that moment, His priorities changed and he started to howl of the name of God. And all of a sudden, it wasn't about this, but his character, his essence, his nature was changing. And God changed his name to match his character because that's what was happening in the moment. The name described the character, the image, and the essence. So what about God? What's God's essence? What's God's character? What's God's image? Well, I'm glad you asked. What's God's essence? God's essence is holiness. And what that means is that God is in a category all to God's self. It means that we don't add our personalities onto God. We don't add our pronouns onto God. We don't add our wishes unto God. We don't, we don't add anything. God is completely other than us. God is holy. God is set apart. God is not like us. That is the essence. What's the, what's the character of God? Well, John says it really well. God is love. You want to know who God is? God is love. 
God is love in the way that you are created. God is love in the way that he gives you your breath. God is love in the way that this universe is sustained. God is loved in the way that your life is the way it is. God is love. God is love to the point that God was willing to send a part of the Trinity so that you can have a relationship with this Creator. So God is love, God is holy, God is this holy love. What about the image? This is where it gets tricky. What does God look like? You and I are the image bearers of God. Come on. If the world is going to see what God looks like, the world is going to see it in your life and in my life. If the world is going to see this holiness, this set apart, why don't you do that? Well, because I'm following God and I'm set apart and it's not to be exclusive. Everyone's invited, but I'm following this most high God. But I love you. I love you with everything I am. And I want you to be included in this. And I'm going to live it in front of you so that the image of God is seen by your eyes with your life coming through me and the way I live my life. Um, One author says, those who profess a concern for hallowing the Lord's name. must be willing to bear, willing and ready to be a means to hallow God's grace. God's name will either be hallowed or profaned by my life and by your life. There aren't, there's not really a third choice there. My life will hallow God's name by the way I live, or it will profane God's name by the way I live. Um, in living the Lord's Prayer, why go and freeborn say, taking the Lord's name in vain is the sin of living in contradiction to that holy name. Have you ever thought about that? What'd you do yesterday? What'd you do Tuesday? Was it living in harmony with God's holy name or was it living in contradiction with God's holy name? And that's tough. That has really hit me all week. To profane the name is to live in such a way that others are unable to know God as he really is. The other side of the truth then suggests that hallowing his name is living in such a way that the essence of God's nature is on display in how we act and talk and respond. So, we're coming to an end. I forgot to invite you up. If you want to grab a journal and take some notes, I guess it's too late. You can go back and, and uh, check it out online. But you may want to grab a journal or open up your journals. I've got a couple of questions that I want to ask you. I want us to think about this week. You don't have to answer all four. Maybe there's one that really hits you. Or maybe you want to write them down and then think about them later on in the week. The first question is this. Do I realize that each morning when I look in the mirror... The rest of my day will either hallow or profane God's name by the way I live my life. Do I realize 
When I look at who I am in the mirror, if I'm only seeing me, we have a problem. But if I am saying, I'm going to be your image bearer, God, let people see you. I'm just the mirror. Do I realize that I get to choose every day? Will I hallow or profane God's name? Second question. What do I want to make holy in my life today? Maybe there's a part of you that um, saying, wow, God, maybe I haven't given you everything. What do I want to make holy in my life today? And how can I facilitate God's name being hallowed in my life? What's a step that I can take? And I can't answer that for you. I can give you some good suggestions on some spiritual disciplines. But really, it's, it's you and God that need to be talking. What can you do today to facilitate God's name being hallowed in your life? Not just, I'm just, I'm just glad to be on the team. No. How will you allow God to be seen? How will you allow your life to contribute to this narrative of God? Third question. In what way has God revealed his holiness and love in unmistakable ways to me? I wonder how many times we don't see all that God is doing just because we're not looking. Take a moment. How is God revealing his holiness to you? His love to you? How, how are you connecting with a most high God in a way that would say, God, I, I just want to hallow your name? Last question is, how or in what ways has God revealed his holiness and love in unmistakable ways through me? How are you being the image? How are you bringing the character and the nature and the essence of our God into your situations? In your home life, in your work life, in your shopping, in your driving. Folks, we're the image bearers of a holy and loving God. And as I thought about it, I kept coming back to how easy it is to forget. You know, James talk, I think it's James that talks about, you know, like a foolish man looks in the mirror and then forgets what he looks like. I do that a lot. Maybe because I'm not exactly excited about what I see in the mirror. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, let's move on. But I started thinking how easy it is to forget. I mean, I can start my day, God, I want this day to be yours. And then I get in the car and it's just constantly, my mind is constantly being attacked by different things, a million different things. And it's so easy to forget that I am the image bearer. I am created in the image of God to bear God's image to the world around me. So I want to give you a couple of minutes. We're not going to take long because we're, we're running long and I, and I apologize, but I don't apologize. First thing I want you to think about or pray about. Is there a need that you have that you need to pray about? Maybe you never thought about hallowing God's name. Maybe you never thought. The way I live really does, it reflects God or it doesn't. And if I love God, not reflecting God doesn't seem like the right answer, does it? So maybe you need to just come down to the altar and pray and say, God, I'm sorry. I didn't realize, or I thought I was, or I'm doing it in this part of my life, but I'm not doing it in this part of my life because I just didn't think 
Like we compartmentalize God. And maybe you're starting to see, wow, there's areas of my life that I need to surrender and I need to give completely to God and I need to hallow God's name. I need to talk. I need to confess. I need to apologize. I need to seek strength from God. So I invite you, if you need to pray, come pray. The next thing is, um, we have some mirrors up here. There's nothing special. There's nothing magical. They're just mirrors. But I got them because I'm hoping you'll take one and the challenge is to place, place it in a prominent place. At your work desk, um, in your vanity when you're getting ready in the morning. Someplace where you will see it often. And when you see it, I want you to pick it up. It doesn't have to be long. Just, I just want you to pick it up and see yourself. And I want you to say, God, Thanks for reminding me of my calling. Because when I, when I know who you are it, it, and I know that I'm called to reflect you, it changes how I treat my coworkers and how I act at home and the TV shows I watch and the websites that I go to. It changes my narrative from I'm nobody to I'm a child of the king. It, it changes so many things. So I encourage you, uh, maybe you, you can do it now or you, if you want to grab it after we do communion, just grab it on the way. Take a mirror, put it in a place where you will see it every day and you can be reminded that you are an image bearer. Finally, maybe you need to spend time with one of these questions. Take a moment and journal. Ask God, which one do I need to work on? Maybe you need to do all three. I don't know. But I'm just going to give us a second and then I'm going to pray. And then we're going to go to the table and and head out to be image bearers. So just go ahead. Bow your head. Close your eyes. Unless you're writing in your journal, you'll probably need your eyes open for that. Ask God. Ask God what you need to do. Father, I thank you for loving us. I repent and apologize for the times that I take your name and I put them on my own agenda. I pray that you'll help us to be a people that live our lives thinking in the back of our minds that we are a mirror of you. And if the world is going to see your love in this world, they're going to need to see it through us. We are the people that bring the kingdom of heaven into earth here, the way you would have it. I can only imagine that the way it is in heaven is that there are people that are completely obedient and and loving and, and focused on you. And so, God, if that's what we're supposed to be on earth and your kingdom is breaking in even now, then I pray that you'll help us to be obedient 
and loving and focused on you. Forgive us for those times when we don't treat your name with the holiness that it deserves. I pray that in the eyes of the world, the value of your name will increase exponentially because of how we display the greatness that you are. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for doing on the cross what we could not do. Thank you for being the final sacrifice needed. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I believe even now you're talking in people's minds. And honestly, you're telling them probably things that I didn't even say. That's okay. You speak, Holy Spirit. We want to respond to you more than we want to respond to anything I say. Father, Son, Spirit, we are your people. Help us to be people of your love and holiness. We pray. Pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. It's been a great morning of worshiping our our God and our Savior Jesus. And as we move into this last segment of our worship service, it's a a time for some action. Uh, The celebration of the Lord's Supper requires us to come to the table. And so in just a moment, I'll invite you to stand, make your way to the center aisle here. This uh, part of our worship is open to everyone. You don't have to be a member of this church or be a Nazarene to participate. But if you love the Lord your God, if you want to love the Lord your God, you are invited to come and partake. As you come, come to the center aisle. Uh, We'll give the elements to you. Take them back to your seat and then hold them and we'll all take them together. So go ahead and and make your way now.
So during this time, we remember that when Christ was betrayed, uh, at that last supper, he, the disciples were gathered there. The Lord took up the bread and said, this is my body, which will be broken for you. Take and eat it in remembrance of me. Similarly, he took the cup, he lifted it up. The blood of Christ will be shed for you. Drink with remembrance. God, thank you for the sacrifice of your son. Thank you for the meaning it has in our life. Help us to hallow your name in this day and in this week. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, it's been good to have you here. It's been good to be in the house of the Lord. Will you stand with me? And, and at our church, we sing our benediction. We started this, oh goodness, almost two years ago, I think. And uh, so uh, you may not know it, but if you do, uh, sing along. If not... Just just, uh, receive this uh, benediction. Sing with me. We sing hallelujah. Let your kingdom come in our hearts, in our homes. Let your will be done as we go in your name. We shout and we proclaim. Let your will be done in us. Sounds a lot like being hallowed. Hallowing God's name. Go in God's grace and peace. And hopefully we'll see you next week.